Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to be careful in what I do next, but I do feel the God, that God has set the stage for what He wants to speak in just a few moments, and I will not be lengthy, but I do feel that God has a word for someone here today in this place. I believe that if there's anything that could prevent us from doing that, going deeper, it is what I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about this morning. And I feel like there are people in this building right now that are struggling with the very issue that I am going to bring to your attention. There's not a lack of desire that has nothing to do with it. It's the other factors that play into our life that keep us from going deeper. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 69. I'm going to read down through verse 74. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. If you don't have that, you can look on the screen and they'll have it for you to read along with me. It said, Meanwhile, Peter was still sitting outside in the courtyard when a servant girl came up to him and said, I recognize you. You were with Jesus, the Galilean, in front of everyone. In front of everyone. Peter denied it and said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Later, as he stood near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I know this man is a follower of Jesus the Nazarene. Once again, Peter denied it. And with an oath, he said, I tell you, I don't know the man. A short time later, those standing nearby approached Peter and said, We know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech. You know, there's some things you can hide. Some things you cannot hide from God. We can tell... By your speech, your Galilean accent gives you away. Peter denied it and using profanity, he said, I don't know the man. At that very moment, the sound of a crowing rooster pierced the night. Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And with a shattered heart, Peter left the courtyard sobbing with bitter tears. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Verse number 20, again in the Passion Translation. He said, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And He knows everything there is to know about us. 
My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Could I talk to you for just a few moments this morning about it's time to silence the rooster. Say it with me. It's time to silence the rooster. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no more sobering story in the New Testament than the colossal failure of Simon Peter. A man who had such great talent and giftings and who was bold and adventuresome. When others were not certain of who he was, Peter stepped forth and declared, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet in spite of Simon Peter's many strengths, there were weaknesses that lurked beneath the surface of his own life. His impetuousness, his temperament, lent itself to trouble. And you will find if you read the New Testament story that oftentimes Peter's mouth got him in trouble. The Lord rebuked him, calling him Satan at one point. Another time he speaks to him as one who is going to be sifted, sifted as wheat. But I have prayed for you. I mentioned that this past week. And then this night comes and he makes his way in the shadows following at a distance to see what would happen. One writer of the New Testament said it like this. He went to see the end, how mistaken Simon was even in that moment that this was not really the end. It was just the beginning. It was in that atmosphere that you find our setting. He is warming his hands by the fires outside the courts of the high priest and the elders and the scribes Inside they are condemning his master to death and outside he is being put to the test. Somebody identifies him. Someone recognizes him and they call him out and he denies that. And then again somebody recognizes him and they call him out and again he denies. And then the third time the Bible says that he Cursed, he denied with an oath. He became very exasperated, and it was in that same moment that he heard that rooster crowing in the background. This was a prophecy. The Lord had told him that before this night is over, Peter, as much as you tell me you love me, and as much as you swear your allegiance to me, before this night is over, you're going to have denied me three times before that rooster ever crows. 
And here he is in that moment of time. And in his mind are reverberating those words of his master. You will deny me. And here he is red-handed and guilty of every charge that is against him. And it is that sound of that rooster crowing that is that reminder. I have often wondered how that sound must have affected Simon Peter in time to come. I wonder how that, that, that sound stirred feelings inside of him. I, I can only speak from my human perspective, but when I fail the Lord in any way, it's amazing how my conscience reminds me of that failure. It doesn't take much. It can be a sound. It can be a word and the memory is triggered of that failure and it all comes back fresh to your mind. It's, it, it's like walking into the kitchen and smelling a certain odor or flavor and immediately you think of your mother or you think of something that happened in your home years ago. And so it is with those housed memories that we have of our own life. And those are the things that limit and hinder and affect our lives for future purposes. And so it is interesting to me that when you look at the life of Simon Peter from that night on forward, if you move from that night of failure and you move to uh, the future and eventually you see him as the preacher at Pentecost, it's amazing to me that though that, that though the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners and he's reflecting on his own past, you never find Peter seeming to refer back to this moment in his life. And I've often wondered, how could that be? How could this man who had made such a colossal failure of his life and it had been so public. It's one thing to fail in private, but when you fail publicly, everybody knows it. And then it's in everybody's mind. It's not just in your mind. It's in everybody's mind. No, Everybody knows what you've done. And here he is in this point in his life. And, and yet when you look forward in his life, that you, you don't see any reminders of that and you see a man who is bold and you see a man who stands up in the midst of that crowd on the day of Pentecost and people were laughing and mocking and making fun of them because they looked like men who were drunk. And evidently, I mean, I wasn't there, but just from looking and reading the text, obviously they were acting a little out of the ordinary Perhaps like we were acting this morning. And, and those that didn't know, those that didn't understand what had happened, the Holy Ghost had been poured out and they had been filled with His Spirit. And these people were, they were intoxicated, but not on the wine that these men thought they were intoxicated on. And so here's this same failure. Here's this same blundering, babbling fisherman that used the wrong words at the wrong time. Now he's standing and he's preaching this powerful message of how men could experience what they have experienced. And, and, and when they asked the question, what shall we do? He told them what to do. And, and, and such a powerful message 
that he gave in, in his life. He became the, 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 the spokesman of the church. He became the preacher of the gospel even to the Gentiles. And yet when you read his life story, you don't see him going back to that moment. And, and there's only one reason I think that could be so. It was because of what happened after the resurrection. You know, last week we talked about the, the, the resurrection and we celebrated that. And I, I, I can tell you I was hyped up Sunday and I hadn't drank anything but coffee Sunday morning. So I, I was so excited about what the resurrection meant and the implications of the resurrection. And, and, and I've thought about those things all this week. And so this morning I wanted to come back and I want to talk to you about the celebrating of the fruit of the resurrection, what the resurrection produced, what it was able to accomplish in my life and in your life. And I see it in those those few moments after the resurrection when he appears to those that had come to the tomb. And he said, go tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. And they meet there in Galilee and he converses. And then John tells the story of how that a few days later Simon said, I go a-fishing. He, he goes back to his old trade. He kind of goes back to that old uh, life that he had been living before he came to the Lord. And it was there in that setting that Jesus appeared on the shore and he asked them, do you have any fish? And it was like another, it was like deja vu. It was like a previous episode of fishing all night and they'd caught nothing and and they cry out and he simply said, put your net on the other side of the boat. They put it down and they caught a great drought and it was John that recognized him now. This is the Lord. This is our master. And Simon girded a coat on because evidently he was unclothed and he was in the manner of fishing at that moment and he was not decent perhaps and so he puts a cloak on and he dives in. He jumps in the water. I mean, I don't know. At first reading, it's like he's just going to drown himself. But that's not what happened. He makes his way to shore and it was there in that conversation by a fire that the Lord began to talk to Simon and he began to bring him back from that abyss. He said, do you love me more than these? And Simon said, you know I love you. And again he came to him and said, do you love me more than these? And he said, you know I love you, Jesus. And again he said, do you love me? And this grieved Peter at this moment. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You, you know I love you. And, and he said, feed my lambs. And then John, he comes by and he looks at John and, and Jesus tells him a little bit about his future. You're going to be an old man. People are going to lead you around. He sees John. He said, what about him? He said, don't worry about him. And then he makes a statement Jesus, it's in red letters if you read that last chapter of John. Jesus simply said to Simon Peter, follow me. I don't know how it happened, but something happened in Simon Peter's life at that moment. Something was cut away. Something was let go of. 
something happened. That echoing voice of that rooster in his mind lost its influence over him. Somehow in that exchange with the Lord on that day, something powerful happened. And that echoing reminder of his mistake and his blunder suddenly was silenced. And evidently you do not hear that voice again in his life. Even though it may have attempted to show itself, it did not have an influence on Simon's life. And I believe it was because the Lord freed him in ways that you and I can't understand and I don't even have time to go into because of time constraints. But here's what I want you to get to. Evidently, he understood what John would later write about, that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. If your failures condemn you, then there's something God has done that's greater than your failure. And somehow Simon Peter was able to embrace what the resurrection really meant to his life and what it meant to him personally. And it was this, that my failures of my past are not going to define my future. And what I was is not going to determine what I can be. And what I have failed at does not become a precursor to what I will be limited by but I embrace the power of his resurrection and I embrace everything that it means and I will follow him and when I follow him I will let those things go and somehow that voice was was silenced in some way I don't know how it happened but maybe it was like this Booker T. Washington was an American educator, an author, an orator, an advisor to several presidents of the United States. Between 1890 and 1950, he became a dominant leader in the African-American community of America. And he relates a story of his life that I feel like we need to imitate. And I believe that somehow this is what must have happened with Simon Peter on that day. He tells about every morning that he would wake up as a young person, as a child. There was a rooster that was in the yard that would be the alarm clock for everybody to get up and go to work. And all of his life long as a plantation slave, they were awakened by the crowing of the rooster. And long before daybreak, the unwelcome noise would fill their sod houses and remind them that this was another day to crawl out of bed and get out in the field and work hard and do what you were supposed to do. But then came the Emancipation Proclamation and Abraham Lincoln freed all of the slaves and and gave them the liberty to be free from that constraint. And it was the first morning after that Emancipation Proclamation that he was awakened to that same rooster's crow. But this morning it was different because when he said he looked out the window, he saw his mother running through the yard with an axe in her hand. <laughs> yeah. And she was about to behead a chicken or a rooster, whatever. 
She was about to do away with that sound that had reminded them of what they were. They were no longer that, but they had been freed and they had been given that freedom and they were going to enjoy that freedom. And for the first time in his life, they were able to have lunch of fried chicken and they ate their alarm clock. It's a true story because they didn't ever want to be reminded again that they were slaves. And I've got some news for somebody this morning. God wants you to silence the rooster in your own life. He wants to silence that reminder of your failures, that reminder of your shortcomings, because in Christ you have been made a new creature. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Some of you need to silence what has been limiting you. And you can do that through the power of his resurrection. You can do that because his resurrection promises you and I new life. New life. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Yes, John or, or, or Paul would later write in the Romans, he would say that we would rise to walk in a newness of life. You and I, because of the resurrection, get to rise up to walk in a newness of life. And it is his resurrection that gives us the power to take our own axe and cut that rooster's neck off and say no longer you're not going to remind me of my failures because my my failures have been forgiven and my shortcomings have been covered by his blood. Hallelujah. Are there any roosters Stealing your peace this morning? Are there any roosters stealing your sleep? Condemning your mind? Condemning your heart? You lift your hands and there's a little voice behind you said, I know what you did this week. I saw you this week. You put them back up and again that voice comes and says, Oh, I saw you there. I heard you there. I saw you there. And the next thing you know, you're silenced. Why? Because you're allowing something that he's already taken care of to still have dominion over your life. And I'm telling you right now that the promise of the resurrection is he can silence any voice that condemns you. He can silence any voice that comes to tell you you are unworthy and that you are undone. Why? Because he is greater than your problem. He's greater than your failures. He's greater than your shortcomings. 
That ought to give some of you a shout of victory right now. That ought to make you want to lift your hands. Nothing's going to ever keep my hands down again. Why? Because he did something in the resurrection. He did something when he came out of that grave that would cut me free from those things of my past. And they will no longer have dominion over my life. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I don't know how it happened. I just know this. That when Jesus said, follow me, he said, hold on. I have one thing I got to do. <laughs> yeah. Some of you need to do that right now. That's why you're groveling in your situation as you are right now. Because your own failures are condemning you. You're unworthy. You'll never merit. You'll never be worth anything. Listen to all the things you've done. Look at all the failures you've made. But I've come to tell you something about him that you may not understand. But his love is greater than your failure. And his mercy is greater than your failure. And his grace is greater than your failure. And what he, uh, he wants you and I to know this morning... Uh, is that when he comes into your life, he wants to make you a new creation. Behold all things. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord praise. Here's what I believe the Holy Ghost has been trying to say to some of you this morning. That if you have been forgiven, you need to act like it. If you have been freed, quit acting like you're still a slave. If he has liberated you, if he has freed your spirit, if he has loosed those chains then you need to act like you're a free person. You need to act like you've got the power to demonstrate. You need to act like in your worship that there's joy in your heart and peace in your soul. Why? Because he freed me. He cut off that past. He severed that background. He said, no more. You're not going to trouble them any longer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, if he's healed you, get up and walk. I said, if he's healed you, get up and walk. If he's saved you, get up and act like it. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! If he has loosed your tongue, then open your mouth and speak. If he straightened out your crooked life, woo. if he opened the door to your cell and said, come on out of there, then come on out of there. Because he that the Son 
hath set free is free indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you this. Let, let me just tell you this much, and I'm going to shut up. Until your desire, you can stand up, keep standing. I really am going to close. Some of you don't believe that, but I am. Until your desire to move forward is greater than the memories of your past pain and failure, you will never walk in a newness of life. Can I say that again? Until your desire to move forward is greater than the memories of the pain of your failure and your past. You will never walk in a newness of life. But if it ever dawns on you, he paid the price. He paid the price. You don't have to keep paying it. He paid the price. You don't have to keep paying it. He paid the price. He said deeper. Is that where you want to go? Come on, I want to take you there. And the only way some of us are going to get there is we're going to have to realize that there's some roosters that need to be silenced. (laughs) Yeah. And you may have to chase one of them around a little while before you catch it, but when you do, you need to just whack his head off. (laughs) Yes. It's like the story of, of... of the man who was talking about when the devil came to knock at his door, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You just let the Lord answer the door. And when the Lord answers the door, the devil will say, oh, I've got the wrong address. Quit. You quit answering. Let him answer. Let him fight your battles. Yeah, let, you, let, let him be the one who fights your battle. Your purpose is to worship him. Your purpose is to praise Him. Your purpose is to magnify Him. And when you do all of that, when you praise Him, when you magnify Him, He said that I will fight your battles for you. I will handle your enemy for you. I will take care of those things behind you. Hallelujah. Amen. When a woman is about to get ready to give birth, one of the common themes that they are told is push. It's time to push. The reason they're told that is because some things never come until you push. Amen. And some of you need to do a little pushing this morning and get whatever blocked out of the way, whatever's inhibiting you out of the way, and realize that when he came up on that third day, 
He took care of whatever the past may have been in my life. And he offers me a new life. And when I repent and when I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. And Peter embraced that and he never looked back. He didn't go down the road and say, oh, that reminds me. No, when he went forward on that day, somehow his ears became deaf to the sound of that mocking memory. Why? Because the Lord had made a way. Amen. The Lord had opened a door. And he said, if the Lord's going to open my door, I'm going to act like a free man. Some of you this morning, you've had the Holy Ghost a long time. That's what you claim. And I don't disagree with you. But what I want to see is the Holy Ghost have you. Because when the Holy Ghost has you, you won't cower down in the background like you don't belong or you don't matter. You won't let those suppressive, repressive memories keep coming back to trouble you. You say, hey, that's not who I am. I am a child of the King. I have been blood-bought. I have been purchased. Come on, clap your hands and praise Him right now. Hallelujah, I'm going.